Hello and a warm welcome to News Desk on your most credible, independent and fearless news portal, Joy News. It's live on GoTV Channel 421, GoTV Channel 125, around the globe at myjoyonline.com and on digital TV sets because we are free to air. My name is Mamisi Nyamiche Thompson. Coming up, some senior police officers petition ad hoc committee probing alleged plot to remove the IGP from office. We'll hear from the committee's chair who made the revelation and take the thoughts of a statesman. Our series of Hope Today will tell you about Kofi J, a coconut seller who believes self-help is the best option in securing a lifetime livelihood as he boasts of his accomplishment from his unassuming trade despite being a school dropout. Also, authorities of Akente Napia Menkat University of Skills Training and Entrepreneurial Development considering measures to control excesses during students' whole week celebrations at the university following death of a student. We have details plus business and more all in the Zao. Please stay with us. Now, some senior police officers have petitioned the ad hoc committee probing the alleged plot to oust the IGP. Chairman of the committee, Atachia, made the revelation to newsmen and said the committee will be taking a look at the petition and take necessary actions. We'll be bringing that to you in a bit, but first, here's a wrap from yesterday's sitting file by Samuel Imbura. The latest to stroke more fire is the third police officer, Superintendent George Asari, who is corroborating claims that the IGP engineered their conversation with star witness Bugri Nabu to be recorded. George Asari, in spite of his request to give his testimony, in camera alleged Daniel Bugri Nabu was used as a conduit by the IGP to trap them. He is, however, denied portions of the tape. He claims they adopted. But later, upon further inquiries, Remember, I'm a policeman. For investigations, I'm very smart. But that side, when, I, when we meet in camera, you know who did the recording, who was sent by who, and on what promise to who. You will get it when we meet in camera. He further alleges a contract was awarded to Daniel Bugrinabu by the IGP to procure over 40,000 boots for the Ghana Police Service as a reward. And I, oh, I, he has lied on several. I have, I have a large book in our own tape. Everything he came to say here on video in his office, the same office. His relationship with IGP and contracts 40, 44, 40,000 boots contracts. Mr. Asari also revealed that Daniel Bugri Nabu suggested special fortification for them to secure the position of the IGP. Uh, Honorable Chair, like I said, that spiritual matter, it was in two ways, either Christianity or other, 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 other faiths. But he insisted, he insisted, please, Honorable Chair, he insisted that, he insisted that 
He has some malams. As I use those words interchangeably or imams. Yes. Yes. But Alfred Dakwa, who is lawyer for Superintendent George Asari, says he is satisfied with the probe so far because it has given his clients an opportunity to clear his name in the public. Had already been crucified. And at least today he's been able to at least see his side of the story. And I think that's the most important thing now. Will you be surprised if the, if the committee doesn't invite the IGP? His name keeps coming up. Will you be surprised as a, a lawyer if the committee doesn't invite the IGP? I think it wouldn't even be fair to the IGP if he's not invited because allegations have been made against him. And it's important that, I mean, principles of natural justice, he also gets the opportunity to also say his side. He doesn't need to have a case. He was invited as a witness, so he came to say his side of the story. It's not really about the Republic against him or he against somebody. His name came up, and I think he came to explain how all these things happened. Meanwhile, there is an emergence of a new tape the ad hoc committee is considering to scrutinize. Chairman of the committee, Samuel Atachia, said... They will consider even an in-camera hearing and invite all persons of interest in the probe. That the first audio is not authentic in terms of some aspects, but they admitted that some of them were authentic. Now, we've had the benefit of a tape on the assumption that it's authentic. The members of the committee will have to internalize that tape and it is also transcribed and look at it. And that will give us the ideas as to what to do. First of all, do we bring all the I mean, stakeholders together with their lawyers for cross-examination and uh, cross-firing to take place? Whilst we listen attentively and later when they finish, they will have our turn. And then are there matters which should not come into the public domain because of national security implications? So we'll do long in-house or uh, uh, in-camera hearing. For now, all four witnesses, including Daniel Bugrinabu, COP Alex Mensah, Superintendent Emmanuel Jebi, and Superintendent George Asari, have since been released. The Parliament Ad Hoc Committee will continue in an in-camera hearing of this probe. From Parliament House, Samuel Mbura, joining. We can also listen to the committee chair, Atachia, who says some police officers have petitioned the committee. The petitions were brought to us, so we've not even read them. We've not perused the petitions. But trust us as a committee that there is nothing of consequence that will brush it aside. It's going to be a very comprehensive interrogation. So if people want to aid us to do our fact-finding, we will not block them. We've also just seen that some... Um, police officers have even taken the IGP to court in relation to their promotion. So I've, I've instructed that they should first the, the, the writ, so that we know the content of what is pending in court and the rest of it. We're joined in studio by former chairman of Parliament's Legal and Constitutional Committee, Inusa Fuseni, to share some thoughts about the committee so far and their hearing. Thank you so much for your time here. Thank you. How is it? I'm well. I hope you're well too. I'm good. And you've been following proceedings so far. What will you say are your uh, views about um, the hearings so far? 
Well, we are in interesting times. Also, uh, the what is happening in Parliament is quite revealing, to some extent troubling. Mm. Raises matters of concern: the unity of the police service, uh, the whether or not there was a criminal conspiracy by some elements within the police service to torpedo the uh, current IGP, and what whether their acts can be correlated. Mm -hmm. Now, again. The revealing nature of what is happening is that if we, if the speaker had not decided to set up a committee to look into the matter, we would have treated it as one of the hearsays. And probably in the public domain, arguments would have been made to suggest that the tape is a fake. Mm -hmm. But today we all know that a meeting did take place. It took place in the office of uh, Bugruna with the former regional chairman of the MPP. And, 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 and that some persons were... Were, were part of the meeting. Those persons have come and admitted that they were part of the meeting. Why they met, who recorded, what the uh, intentions were, whether their acts are criminal or not, are matters that the committee will, will determine. But so far, these witnesses who have appeared before the committee, what do you make of their testimonies? Well, the, for instance, COP... Alex Mensah, I felt and, and thought that his testimony was influenced or he was consumed by an inordinate partisan ego. What do you mean by that? In the sense that the police service is a bureaucracy, it's an institution of state. Yes. That being so, they have interests, they have values. Recruitment into the police service is impersonal. It depends on merit and qualification, educational qualification. Now, so a person normally will ascend the highs of the police service based on his output and performance. And for a person to think that the most overriding consideration for the appointment of an IGP should be whether or not he's a party member and whether he can assist a party to continue to stay in office. It's subversive, to say the least. Mm -hmm. It's subversive. Mm -hmm. Why is it subversive? It's subversive because in our democracy, and particularly in our constitution, yeah. sovereignty resides with the people. The government should be for the people. It is we who elect government. And so the election results must be a manifestation of the wishes of the people. And so for anybody to think that if he's IGP, he can subvert the will of the people, it's, it's criminal. Well, does this come as a surprise that something of this sort is happening, I mean, for the first time, that something of this um, nature is happening to the extent that a committee has been set up? Does it, bring, does it raise concern about the, the institution itself? and the happenings going on. In clearly, yeah, like in my introduction statement, uh, it clearly raises matters. They're troubling. Alex Mensah says, as we speak, the police service, which is a bureaucracy, is divided between the MPP and the NDC. Right. That should pose a danger to all of us. Mamisi, if you are invited by the police, or if you are to be protected of the police, I've spoken about the interests of the police service. They are for law enforcement and maintenance of law and order. Mm. They are also to, pro to protect 
property and persons or persons and property. They have values. They serve with what? Integrity. Mm -hmm. Now, if these values and interests are compromised, then we are not sure that an establishment like the police service, which is a state establishment, yeah. can protect the citizens of the state. Mm. And that, is, that, is, that will lead you to what Fuku, uh, Francis Fukuyama calls political decay. It means that the institution is decaying, unable to perform the functions for which it has been established to do, largely because of the undermining within the police service. Well, a committee has been set now, and um, it's being probed. Do you think it's going to cause any reforms in the service? First of all, it's going to enable all of us, Ghanaians, to know that something is basically and fundamentally wrong within the police service. It's going to let us know that as a country, we need to take matters of the police service seriously and all other bureaucracies. We need to work together to create the, uh, the, the autonomy that these institutions should have to be able to discharge their functions. And people who get into state institutions must know that their loyalty is to the state right. and not to government. Right. So I, I, I believe that the committee, after the end of his job, will make recommendations. Well, ahead of that, do you think there should be an independent inquiry into the allegations that are being made, especially in the police service? On There's already an independent inquiry, except that it's not established pursuant to the Constitution. Uh, the Committee of Parliament is, some, is a Committee of Parliament. It's an independent Committee of Parliament. Right. None of them is working with the police. Great. But then, should the IGP be invited? I don't think so. I mean, uh, there's a conscious, deliberate effort to shift the terms of reference in this matter to the trial of the IGP. It's very conscious and de deliberate. It's okay. a red herring that is being pushed. But he's at the center of this, and uh, a lot of allegations are being made against him. Does he not deserve the right to answer to some of these things? We, we might lose focus. I mean, you might, you, in any undertaken, you must define the remit and parameters of your operations to be able to come out with something concrete. Is the IGP part of the problem? We do not know. That's what was why the terms, we're needing what, to What were the terms of the preference of the committee to investigate the circumstances leading to the production But we agree the there's a fundamental problem. In your, in your submission earlier, you said these raises troubling concerns mm. in the service. And mm. so for the man at the head of the hierarchy, doesn't this, you know, I mean, give the opportunity for us to hear from him what he has to say about what is happening? The fear is that it diverts attention from the criminal activities of those who met to the man himself. We might end up turning the man into... A villain might end up. Why would that be so? I mean, we are, it's just it's because a because 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 a lot of things have been said about him, which obviously ought not to have been said about him. I mean, a police officer comes on set to say publicly to Ghanaians and the world at large that this is the worst uh, IGP we've had in in history and in recent history in the Fourth Republic. Then. You wonder what metrics did he use? What management metrics did he use to come to that conclusion? How many people did he speak to? Is it a pervasive view in the police service? Or is the personal idiosyncratic view of the dissatisfied few 
within the police service. Mm. But we allow that to pass. Right. You understand? Uh, and many such, many, many, I mean, an IGP comes on, I mean, a, a senior police officer comes on set to say, look, yes, I admit, and I'll say it again, that I do not regret what happened in the Ayahuasca West Wagon consultancy. Mm -hmm. Senior police officer. I mean, he even ignores the findings of the commission of inquiry that was set up and their recommendations. And he says, look, I'm proud that I was part of it. Mm. All that, in my view, speaks to a larger problem. Right. Those problems could be engineered or fixed by reform. But those reforms cannot be initiated by the Committee of Parliament. Right. Okay. So then how then do we address that particular part of the problem? I mean, getting to hear the side of the IGP, if not at this committee. Well, so if we, are, we, are, we want to get to hear the side of the IGP, there's a police council. Mm. And, 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 and this should not be a trial by the by public opinion. I mean, uh, the, the police council should be interested also in what is happening in parliament. And then they can invite the IGP to respond to them on what have been raised in Parliament. But, uh, but considering the kind of revelations we've had from the committee, do you think that should be done in camera? I, 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 I disagree with the, the... There's no national security implications involved in any of this. Mm. People were... It's just like people conspiring to overthrow the state. Then you are trying them for the intention to commit an act of uh, uh, treason or subversion. And they say, well, matters, so there are some matters involved that we can, we can reveal to the state. We can say that openly, publicly. Indeed. Now, I, I, I think that it is greatly out of difference to the persons involved, most of them being seven uh, police officers, that the committee agreed to listen to them in camera. There is nothing, I mean, secretive about what they did. There's no state secret involved in this. We're not producing any nuclear weapon, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, but I mean, the chair of the committee, Atacha, has always repeated that for the sake of, um, you know, um, state security, public safety and all that, they don't want to expose certain things because of the kind of allegations or revelations they are making at the committee. And so they are inclined to have a, a, an in-camera hearing. The public safety in this case will be probably protecting those who have appeared before the committee. There's no any threat to public safety by listening to what they have said. So according to you, we should have all hearings in public? All the hearings should have been, they should have demanded and encouraged them to speak publicly. For this transparency is very important in the democracy. Right. All of us must get carried along. The gravity of what they have done, the seriousness of the problems in the police service, must be understood and appreciated by all. All right. So then what then happens, or what will be the impact of an in-camera hearing to this, year, to this probe? It raises, it will put doubt in our minds. Mm. When they do produce their report, right. it will introduce some level of doubt, some suspicion mm. whether in our minds, whether or not the report adequately captures. Right. And these people are free. Those who have appeared before the committee are free to tell the public or their friends what they told the committee. Mm -hmm. And if they don't find it, that expressed in the report of the committee, you know what that, that, what that would mean. That would, that would reduce the integrity of the report that okay. they will produce. Well, let's move away from the committee and head into the judiciary. You know, recently 
former President Mahama has made some raised some concerns about the judiciary, about the appointment of judges into the courts partisan on partisan basis, and he feels that the judiciary is in danger. What do you make of his his comments? I share, Are I, they fair? I share in the view of the former president. As a lawyer, uh, I, I think that the excessive appointments to the Supreme Court, the Court of Appeal, and the High Court by current president introduces some level of imbalance in orientation mm. of the Supreme Court, in the sense that we have many schools of thought. We have the, those who are liberals, we have those who are uh, social uh, democrats, we have realists, American realists, and we have contextualists. So, and all these people represent shades of opinion in society. And so when you pack the courts, you deprive a large segment of the, of the society representation in the courts. Mm. That is why in the American judicial system, you see there's a conscious, deliberate attempt to continue to maintain a certain level of balance. Yeah. And when that balance is distorted, people are able to read and you see the reversal of the decision in Hyde and Wade, largely because of the imbalance in the American, in the federal court. So, so a, a long, a long-standing decision of the court was reversed, largely because conservatives had taken over. Now, and I also say, as a student of science, that it appears to me that His Excellency John Dramani Mohammed's statement has some backing in science. In particularly Newton, yeah, Newton's third law of motion. It says that to get equilibrium, mm-hmm. the reaction must always the reaction to a situation must always be equal, equal yeah. to the action. So that you get a what? You said it. A balance. A balance. To balance the equation, the reaction must be equal to the action. Indeed. So, so what is it? Honorable Fuseni, does this, does this bar anybody with maybe a political affiliation but is qualified from being a judge of the court? I mean, nobody is really uh, 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 on, on, what would I put it? Is really, you know, um, on a, a <laughs> We say that there's no law that bars and discriminates amongst women. In Ghana, there's no law. But you and I know that cultural practices and traditions and the way gender relates in workplaces has inbuilt discriminatory practices. You know that. Right. Well, we leave it here. <laughs> I'm very grateful for your time with us here this morning. And we've been hearing from former chairman of Parliament's Legal and Constitutional Committee, Inusa Fuseni, this morning on News. We are very grateful for your time. Moving on, leadership of the Teacher Trainees Association of Ghana fears the recurrence of students dismissed of an performance stemming from the continuous strikes by their teachers. Although the strike by CTAC has been called off, the association is worried an inconclusive resolution to the impeding or impending issues could hamper academic activities in the future. President of Teachers Training Association of Ghana, Nana Kwame Jafta, says the recent industrial action saw many students idling on campus. There's more on this report. 
For six weeks now, teachers at the colleges of education have abandoned lecture halls to push the government to redeem its promise on implementing its negotiated conditions of service. The indefinite strike is bringing academic activities on college campuses to their knees as many students idle. The cumulative effects of the endless strike by the teacher union are forcing shifts in academic timelines, impeding continuity of learning. At its 27th annual general meeting, President of the Teacher Trainees Association of Ghana, Nana Kwame Chefta, noted the strike could culminate in a dismissal of non-performing students as recorded in previous years. Students that came to College of Education in the year 2018, in the subsequent academic year, most of them were dismissed because of failure. It was on record that one, they gained admission. That time, CETA was also on strike. It took CETA for about four or five years before they could report back to campus. And for all those three students, didn't do anything. They were just on campus. They didn't have the chance to meet their teachers to learn. And that had impact on most of them, leading to the failure in the examination that they wrote. And we couldn't spare them. They were dismissed because of poor performance, which we could not only based on the fact that they are just not performing, but we have real factors that might have contributed to that. And we are seeing the same thing in this current dispensation, because currently we are in, entering the sixth week that CTAC has been on strike. They've been out of lecture, lecture halls, they've been out of campus, nothing at all is going on. Their concerns are compounded by the upgrade of the pass mark for the upcoming licensure examinations from 50% to 70%. The association maintains that a balanced minimum pass rate would provide fair opportunity for all students while the demand for preparatory logistics. We, we don't mean to say that 70% is say, too high for us to pass because we've been writing exams in our College of Education and we've been passing. We have written about 50 to 60 different coursework papers that we've passed. So why can't we sit and pass for lens exams? I believe, believe that how the structure and the organization for academic content in the courses that we study in the College of Education, that's lead us to come and write examination and we pass. It's not as we see in the NTC. We don't have course outline for NTC examination that we are going to write. We don't have textbooks that we read from. And these are all logistics that need to be in place before we could probably raise the bar to the 70% we are talking about. Meanwhile, Registrar of the Ghana National Teaching Council, Christian Adepoku, says a crunch meeting with stakeholders is in the offing to address the concerns. The National Teaching Council's board has held on to this position that the upcoming licensure examination should be marked at 70%. And, and the leadership of TAC has insisted on 50% pass. And lo and behold, I've received a letter from the president, a copy to me, but a letter to the Minister for Education asking for an intervention in the matter. As I speak, yes, uh, last week, I had a meeting with the minister and he has indicated that he will want to meet the leadership of TAC. The annual general assembly was held under the theme Shaping the Future of Teacher Training and Education, Prioritizing Infrastructural Development. For John News, my name is Emmanuel Bright Kweku.
Management of Akentena Piamenkai University of Skills, Training and Entrepreneurial Development is considering measures to control excesses in the celebration of Hall Weeks at the university. This follows the death of Prosperosu, a level 300 student who suffered severe burns during a Hall procession at the school. A committee has been constituted to investigate the incident and make recommendations. Nanabwati Adam has more. The 23-year-old mathematics student was seen leading a procession as part of the whole week celebration on August 25. While performing some rituals, he is alleged to have accidentally set his regalia on fire, suffering severe bends. Prosper Owusu was rushed to the Konfonochi Teaching Hospital but died on September 1st. University Relations Officer David Owusu Amwa says a committee has been constituted to investigate the incident. Yes, this information has reached management and management has swiftly begun investigations to unravel all the issues that surround the, the incident. Uh, management assures the public that it will keep it updated as and when it gets um, further details about all that happened. So for now, that is what is happening. Uh, management has already called on the, the family of the deceased and um, um, every how that management can support in the barrier of the late Prosperosu is being taken care of by management. The committee is expected to put in measures to avert future occurrence of such incidents. So yes, this is a sad incident and we are trying as much as possible to find out what actually happened so that going forward we put in place measures uh, to forestall it repeat. The, the team that is working on it will make recommendations based on what they find out in the course of the investigation. So such decisions will be the end result of the investigations that we are doing. So yes, some decisions will come that will safeguard the university from experiences such and such and such, such an incident again in the university. So behind me is the Opokuware Hall where Prosper Owusu, the supposed chief priest of the hall, um, came across his untimely death during the hall's procession. Prosper's regalia is said to have caught fire, leading to his untimely death. As a stance, management of the university says they have begun their preliminary investigation into the matter. Reporting for Joy News, my name is Dana Bwachi Dankwa Yadom Kumase. Demands to remove the commission toll booths from the nation's highways are escalating, fueled by the tragic death of one individual on the scene while four others fight for their lives at the Tema General Hospital. These individuals sustained injuries in two separate accidents that occurred at the Akrato Plaza on the Akrato Motorway on Sunday. In the following report, eyewitnesses recount a minute-by-minute chronicle of the harrowing incident. This is the stage of the tow booth on the Akratama stretch of the motorway after a four tanker plunged into it at around 5 o'clock a.m. Sunday. The driver's mate died on the spot and the driver critically injured. The next day, Monday, three persons on board this truck also suffered life-threatening injuries when their truck crashed into the spiller. Some eyewitnesses recount the incident. Yesterday, uh, like 5 o'clock a.m., we make our inside where we hear 
them when we come out. Uh, when we come out, we see say, some. This one is a trailer, tanker. We tanker, we, we get the accident. We, uh, we go commit the driver. We made the guy. We made the guy. Uh, so uh, around 11, 11 uh, 10 to 11. And we go inside too. And we hear another bound. When we come out, you no, know, see say this car to get some then We uh, the people was trained inside. So we, we come where we come out too. We put them car, we them send him to hospital. Uh, about the driver there in leg, we call uh, listen, fire service. We can help us where we come out down. So right now, so this two boots is no working. Always accident. Me right now, I'm travel. Uh, what do you call him? Mali, Niger, Abidjan. Anywhere, I'll go there. But this accident, I've not seen before. But Ghana here alone. Always. This two boots, the two boots, what do you call Accra, Weja. Um, what they call in some room, the same thing. Amit, as it. These crashes are not limited to just the Akrato Plaza. Eyewitnesses claim between January and August this year, over 20 people have died in a similar way at the Tamato booth. Yes, January to August, what I've seen, I've actually witnessed over, I may say, 20 deaths. What I've seen, yes, and it normally occurs at night. Because normally there is no two uh, light on the on the on the two boot uh, at night, and then also you know especially those who are new on the road, and when we are driving along you know that flower Accra road, the marginal lines in between the road that we should follow, some of them come and face to the walls of the two, so without you being new, you being old on the road, you wouldn't even know you are heading towards to a wall. Since there is no light or there's no any indication that okay, this you are approaching danger zone, or maybe there's no reflector, nothing to show that uh, there is an empty toe ahead. By the time you realize you have already driven into the toilet. This has angered many motorists and residents who are demanding the total removal of the commission tow booth from the country's highways. My yesterday I was here and my auntie called me I should come and see something. Accident happened at motorway. I was running, coming, see, it's very, very, very bad, sad. Some people are dying just like that. So they should come and remove the room so that the driver will take time and go. They are on speed. So if the tow booth are not there, they will come and go and pass free by the because of the room. They are losing control. So innocent person are dying, stomach all tear, then everything is the stomach was flowing like this. You can't see, that you can't see. Very sad. How this Tobu they kill human being for years, you know, if they don't repair them, repair them, they will come clear for us. Because especially the shaman Tobu, every day we know come out dead, but they know before or five. But to the ask you, you are here. We know if you talk, but you are here, there are no say you go out. So we beg, we beg government of Ghana. They should come and repair the tow booth or they will clear for us. Visibility at these tow booths at night is low and there are no warning signs. 
Until these towboats are either put to good use or removed, drivers will have to exercise a lot of caution when approaching any of these booths anywhere in the country. Carlos Calonis reports, Joy News. Upper West Regional Chairman of the Ghana Journalists Association, Swala Abdul Wahab, has called on motorists in the country, especially in the Upper West Region, to use crash helmets for their own safety. He explained that wearing a crash helmet is not for the pleasure of the police, instead the protection of their own lives. He is speaking when the Upper West Branch of the GJA donated a little over 18,000 Ghana cities to support the medical bills of an accident victim. Rafik Salam has more. Maurice Banamane was heading home on July 9, 2023, when he was crossed on the middle of the road by a middle-aged man few meters after the main water traffic light at the West Central Business District. As a result of the crash, he was rushed to the Apple Regional Hospital for medical attention. Medical doctors at the hospital, after examining him, realized that he had several injuries on his head that required major operations to create the anomaly and needed to be transferred out of the region. Morris Banangmane was then transferred to the Kumfu Anuchi Teaching Hospital in Kumasi for the surgical operation. The cost of money involved in the surgical operation was pegged around 60,000 Ghana cities and shouldered by benevolent individuals. The upper West branch of the Ghana Journalist Association, of which Maurice Banaman is a member because of his part-time work at some radio stations in the region, including Radio War, did not stand aloof but created a platform for money to be donated to pay his medical bills. Ibrahim Sidi Bomanjo is the opposition vice chair of GGA. When he was involved in an accident, quickly the GGA, the leadership of GGA came together and said, look, we need to do something. And we sought clearance from the family to be able to do what we did. Because some people were even questioning. I had a call from somebody who said that, who gave us the clearance to go and do what we were doing? Because at that time we needed time to do what is needful. I decided to ignore uh, those things. But I think that the general public, particularly the general Upper West public, were very, very helpful. I, I now realize that there are a lot of good people in the Upper West region. And they, in fact, contributed a lot, even though we had some from other parts of the country. So as we are going to give this money, it's 18,424 Ghana cities. Our Sujan chairman of GJA, Swala Abdul Wahab, in a brief remark before presenting the money to Maurice Banamani, urged motorists to use grass helmet whenever they are to ride in order to save their lives. So assuming he was not in a helmet, look at what happened to him, his condition. He was in a helmet. So if he was not wearing a helmet, you could imagine the kind of situation he would find himself. So we are also standing on this same platform to appeal to all the people in Upper West and in Ghana at large to please put on a helmet when you are wearing or when you are riding a motorbike. It is not because of the police. When you are involved in an accident and your head hits the ground, it is not head of the police that will be affected it is your head so don't say you are wearing the helmet because of police you are wearing it to protect yourself to stay alive so that you can 
take good care of your family and your relatives. Maurice Banamuni thanked the Apples branch of the GDA and the public for the monetary support and their prayers. I want to send my regards to the Almighty Allah uh, for keeping me safe up to today. Uh, not forgetting of the Ghana Journalist Association uh, and the leadership of the GGA, including its members of the Upper West Region, for supporting me even before today. Uh, and I also want to thank each and every one of the general public within the Upper West Region and outside the Upper West Region. Reporting for the news, Rafik Salam. Wah! Ghana is set to become the first African country to manufacture its own cholera vaccine. It's a significant step to join the global fight against infectious diseases. Speaking at a technological transfer event at the National Vaccine Institute, Acting Technical Coordination Director at the Ministry of Health, Dr. Balfour Wah, revealed this initiative is to ensure that Ghana is self-sufficient. There's more in this report by Jacqueline Ansuma Yeboa. There are fewer African countries with the capacity to produce vaccines, so many African countries are dependent on developed countries. To break this chain of dependency, Ghana has taken a huge step to produce its own vaccines. It will begin with the production of oral cholera vaccines. EU Biologics, based in Korea, is set to transfer the technology of producing the vaccine to Ghana's local partners, DEK Vaccines, in order to increase global vaccine production capacity and reduce disparity in vaccine access for African children. Acting Technical Coordination Directorate at the Ministry of Health, Dr. Bafour Awa, revealed that this initiative is a step in the right direction to ensure that Ghana is self-sufficient. No, see, the principal aim of manufacturing your own vaccine, one, to have, you know, when you import, we have import duties here, all these are to the cost. So when we are doing it locally, one, you, you, you give job to local people. We want to be self-reliant in all the vaccine space. Presidential Advisor on Health, Dr. Anthony Insia Asari, is excited that the private sector is leading this new development. He said, with time, Ghana will continue to limit the importation of vaccines. Decided, the president said, let's do this thing through the private sector. We said the private sector is the, is the engine of growth. So we are giving all the necessary back into the private sector to become the, the, the engine for vaccine production. Private sector does things and does it very well because this company like DEK, which is made up of Ghana Downs, NSKMS and Kinafama, are very industrious, very well established pharmaceutical companies which have footprints in the West Africa sub-region and that's what we have been doing. So DEK has already cut uh, go, the president cut the sword in April for the setting up of the factory, which is ongoing very, very now. They are being supported by EU, they are being supported by GIZ and the German government, and t now, today, the Koreans have come in with the International Vaccine Institute of Korea and also EU Biologists to transfer the technology.
to they signed an agreement today to give them products for the production of oral cholera vaccines. They've already signed an agreement, as I know, with also Serum Institute of India. And I know also that Atlantic Life Sciences, which is another private company which was commissioned last year by His Excellency the President, they are going into also vaccine production and then anti-snake and anti-rabies vaccines. The first locally produced oral cholera vaccine is expected to be made available after testing. For Joy News, Jacqueline Ansuma Yeboah. This is News Desk. We'll be right back with business. Football season is here and it's best seen on HD Plus in five times crystal clear images. See the new signings, jerseys, silky skills, and great goals. Catch the DFB Copa, J1 League, and the Argentina Copa de la Liga Profesional on Sport HD Channel 151. The best of African football on JTV Sports Plus Channel 150. World football is best seen Philippines on HD Plus. Grab a coda and subscribe for three months at 85 Ghana CDC at HD Plus. See it, Philippines. Hello there. To provide timely information and to explain educational reforms and to discuss school models and interventions, the Ministry of Education in partnership with the Teacher Education Journal presents to you the first ever education TV talk show, The Edu Talk Show. The Edu Talk Show keeps you informed and updated on trends in the world of education. The Ghanaian teacher is so versatile. Provide him the opportunity, train him, and that teacher will perform wonders. Where are the women? They are doing very well academically, but they're not in the sciences and all of that. So technology is missing a lot more women that they could have had. You need to tell the parents, at the moment, what you are getting is, is covering only an aspect of your child's education. And therefore, it's very difficult for you to make any decision with the limited information you have. We still have more to do mm. when it comes to safe school. Mm. So join us as we speak to our guests on reforms taking place in Ghana's education sector. My name is Blessed Suga and I am your host. Artificial intelligence, creativity and sustainability. Join this year's Africa Rising 6 brought to you by the International Advertising Association IAA at the Kempinski Hotel Gold Coast City as we uncover the power of building future-ready brands on 5th and 6th September. Speaker Sasan Saidi, World Chairman and President, International Advertising Association, Andrew Techiapia, Co-Founder and MD, Zipay, Letepu Machaba, Independent Business Leader, Former Vice President of Home Care, Unilever, Ivan Moroki, CEO Kanta South Africa, Guy Parker, Chief Executive, Advertising Standards Authority, United Kingdom, Steve Papaiko, CEO, Extreme Ideas, Sami Awuku, Director General, National Lottery Authority, and many more. This conference is sponsored by Margins Group, ZPay, Google, MTN, Goyle and NLA, Media Partners, CNN, Media General, The Multimedia Group, 
Graphic Communication Group, City TV and City 97.3 FM. Register now at www.africarising.iaaglobal.org for more information or contact Nanajwa on 0242-528-431 or the AAG Secretariat 0244-440477. gem of Ghana. Attention all dreamers, investors and home seekers. Mark your calendar for the next clinic of the Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair. Imagine waking up to stunning waterfront views, basking in the warmth of sun and embracing the comfort of a home perfectly tailored to your needs. Discover a range of housing options that cater to every budget and lifestyle. From sleek contemporary designs to elegant traditional architecture, the Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair has it all. But wait, there's more. This fair isn't just about buying a home. It's also about enhancing the spaces we live in. Get financial solutions to acquire furniture for that beautiful home, electronic devices, and more. Our dedicated team of real estate experts and banking partners are here to guide you every step of the way, making your journey to home ownership smooth and stress-free. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to make your dreams come true. Join us at the Tema edition of the Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair, where possibilities are limitless. The Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair 2023 is powered by the Plant City Extension Projects from Cities and Habitats and sponsored by... Hi, good morning. Welcome to Business. My name is Daryl Kwao. Minister of State at the Ministry of Finance, Dr. Mohamed Amin Adam, is pushing for scheduled timelines when it comes to renegotiating debt restructuring with external creditors. The minister noted that the time taken to secure a deal under the G20 framework is not helping countries like Ghana. He disclosed this during a discussion on climate financing at the ongoing climate change conference in Kenya, Nairobi. There are challenges, you know, associated with, with this, particularly if you have to do their strategy fiscal to finance your uh, development. Uh, number one is, is, is the time period involved in, in their destruction under the G20 common framework. Look at the example of Zambia. Then Ghana is following uh, Ethiopia chart. The time involved is so long. And until we have definite timelines to do their destruction, 
through the negotiation, countries are going to continue to suffer. So Ghana submitted um, an offer uh, with uh, started uh, looking at negotiating an MOU much more to negotiate the, the death restructuring scenarios. And so that is the time period you are, even though countries are faced with difficulties and they need uh, funding urgently, the death restructuring under the G20 common frame need to be looked at. We need definite timelines because a number of countries are going to follow. I've seen data that suggests that uh, of the 68 V20 countries, 40 of them are dead distressed. And so if they are dead distressed, the likelihood that a number of them will also join uh, Zambia, Ghana, Ethiopia, Chad for their restructuring under the G20 common, common framework. It's, it's very likely. And, and, and therefore, we need time, definite timelines to guide the negotiation of the debt restructuring. Now, the Bank of Ghana has indicated it is committed to instituting measures to bring inflation down to its target to help stabilize the economy. Director of Research at the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Philip Abedou Otu, disclosed this in a speech read on his behalf uh, at a workshop for some financial journalists. Like many economies around the world, Ghana was not spared with the devastating effect of COVID-19 in 2020 and post-pandemic effects. The country's attempt to revive the economy suffered another major setback in 2021 with the Russian-Ukraine war, which had some repercussion on supply chain. Bank of Ghana explains surge in inflation in 2022, coupled with fiscal policy implementation and its vulnerabilities, led to loss of confidence and access to international capital markets, putting pressure on the balance of payments. Speaking at the program, Dr. Philip Abredu Otu says, confidence is needed to turn things around. He added that measures being implemented are beginning to yield results. We are seeing inflation declining steadily, while we see non-food inflation going down significantly. I think we've moved somewhere from 49 or 50 percent to around 33 for non-food, uh, but the food still remains high and therefore the overall is not coming down very fast. But I think there's some good news in there. For your non-food in six months to decline by 17 percentage points is, is, is very encouraging and we need to work more on the food side. Fiscal policy implementation for the first six months is also on track. And that's it for the segment. The news continues after the break. Hello there. To provide timely information and to explain educational reforms and to discuss school models and interventions, the Ministry of Education, in partnership with the Teacher Education Journal, presents to you the first ever education TV talk show, The Edu Talk Show. The Edu Talk Show keeps you informed and updated on trends in the world 
of education. The Ghanaian teacher is so versatile. Provide him the opportunity, train him, and that teacher will perform wonders. Where are the women? They are doing very well academically, but they're not in the sciences and all of that. So technology is missing a lot more women that they could have had. You need to tell the parents, at the moment, what you are getting is, is covering only an aspect of your child's education. And therefore, it's very difficult for you to make any decision with the limited information you have. We still have more to do mm. when it comes to safe school. Mm. So join us as we speak to our guests on reforms taking place in Ghana's education sector. My name is Blessed Soga and I am your host. Welcome back. Now we move on to our stories of hope. He dropped out of school in class six, knowing that his qualification could not earn him any meaningful job then. He resorted to menial jobs which could at least help him cater for himself. After trying some laborious work, Mr. Jay resorted to selling coconut. Through that trade, he has ensured his children have what he did not get when growing up, education. After enjoying a juicy coconut from Kofi Jay under his coaching son, Hanar Dami sat with him to hear his story. Mm -hmm. It's the bone, the chest the soft. Soft. Yeah. Because the boy uh -huh. has engaged in lots of menial jobs. He's done amazing work. He's driven commercial vehicles. But years ago, he settled on the coconut business. I got engaged in coconut business, though it's difficult because the job requires lots of effort. To say it was easy would be an understatement, he says. When I started, I used to carefully arrange the coconut on a tray. Then I hope in town till it finishes. Then the cycle continues until all I purchased runs out. Did Kofieje think of quitting along the way, considering how his colleagues, who had fully attended and completed at least senior high school, were progressing? It got to a point I thought I could do other jobs because it was energy draining. So I stopped and began driving commercial vehicles. That was also not sustainable for me. I then began doing missionary work. That too was not profitable, so I decided to return to selling coconuts as I realized that was more lucrative. Throughout the journey of changing jobs, I realized all that is required is for one to be determined and willing to work. Sometimes calculating how much he earns a day as against that of his colleagues. Not for once did he believe he must rely on someone else for a job. Self-help to him was the best way to go. As for the job, it requires diligence. Just decide how much you intend to save and if you are disciplined, you will be able to save and even invest. 
And that's it for news desk here. We'll be back at midday with news today. There's more news on myjoyonline.com.